Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick, and today we are kicking off season two. I'm so excited and I'm so ready to begin recording again. And today I have my husband, Eric, with me, and he's going to help me introduce the second season. Hello. Thanks for doing this with me. Absolutely. Yeah, I also just um, wanted to have Eric on with me to spend some time reflecting on and kind of just officially wrapping up season one. Um, As I've mentioned a number of times, we're a team in getting this podcast recorded and out into the world. And so I'm glad he's willing to do this with me. Um, We also just wanted to finally get back to you um, and cover some of the topics that you guys submitted this spring when I asked for listener questions on social media about the podcast about grief, um, and about the fight for joy. So we won't get to all of them in this episode, but we'll get started. And um, I'm hoping we'll do another Q&A type episode again at some point. But we're hoping this will just be a pretty informal and pretty unscripted episode. Um, The kids are out, we're just hanging. So it'll be fun to do this together. Fantastic. So first, let's just talk a little bit about season one of the podcast. Um, Sometimes I still just can't believe we did it. I know. Yeah, I I think um, that it was it was in some ways easier and some ways harder. Like um, you had all the technology um, set up, and what I'm most proud about on a couple fronts is one, you were able to record when I'm at work, and you were having guests on, you were hooking up your iPhone, figuring things out, and uh, I was just really proud of you for just once you saw the template, just diving in and getting guests lined up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like once we figured out a few of the basic things, just, you know, how to record the guests, how to kind of even navigate a new routine and a schedule for me on a weekly basis. Um, But yeah, all the technology, the social media, I mean, we really got on a roll and kind of figured out what I needed to do and what you needed to do. And um, I feel like for me, it really just exceeded my expectations. Um, I think you know, I had no idea that we would reach as many people as we did um, and such a diverse group of um, listeners. Um, that was super exciting and encouraging. We, um, The website that we use allows us to um, look at the metrics and to kind of follow along as people find the podcast, um, download the podcast, listen to the podcast. And so that was really fun for me to see um, who was listening to it, what they were listening to it on, where they were at when they were listening. Um, it was really, that was an exciting part for me. Yeah, no, I thought that was fun. I also liked just how um, grief is such a big topic and a hard topic to uh, talk through. And I know each of your guests, um, but they each brought a different picture of this. They each brought a different mm-hmm. background each of their stories really popped in a way that that they still wrestled with the hardness and the brokenness of this world, but each of them ended up and saw where the Lord was still good. Yeah, and loved to see um, no two stories were the same, and our stories are not the same. Mm-hmm. And um, just love to see the types of different guests you had on. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, for the most part, it was easier than we thought it would be. And I think keeping in mind the whole idea of done is better than perfect and trying not to overthinking things, um, that really, really helped us. Yeah. In fact, that was on my notes too. We didn't cut out ums and we didn't cut out different things. It was just done is better than perfect. Let's let's just get it out there. Yeah, I agree. Um, So a number of people have asked me what my favorite thing has been about doing the podcast. Um, What would you say? You know, 
I think it was fun to see the repeat listeners. There was um, a couple times we'd be out somewhere. One time we were up at a, a basketball game and a gal came up to you and has listened to every single one and you ride with her in the car and there are so many stories like like that and um, you know we don't have time, you don't have time to go uh, ride with everybody to work every day or <laughs> take everybody to uh, coffee but mm-hmm. that's really what this came down to and it was so fun to watch people connect with you in ways that I've connected with you for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really fun um, when people would share where they listened to the podcast, whether they were walking to class at UNL, whether they were driving to work, whether they were um, getting things done around the house, out for a walk or run. Um, I just, I loved, I mean, that that was definitely one of my favorite things too, was the feedback. Um, it's really special, you know, when you poured so much time and energy and effort into a project and a ministry like this, um, when the listeners take the time, first of all, to just listen, but then also take the time to give me feedback. I mean, it was really touching, really encouraging, um, definitely gives me uh, inspiration and kind of a boost to press into season two here. Yeah, I would love when I would get uh, screenshots at work of just somebody that reached out to you somehow social media wise and just said, I just heard this, this person's story really connected to mine and thank you for talking us through this and giving us a language to you know lament and talk about these really really hard and hard things and I loved loved getting those at during during my day at the bank yeah I think secondly too one of my other favorite things is just having the opportunity to share these conversations these guests that I had on I mean they're people who are so dear to me and whose stories I've carried close to my heart over the years and so Um, It just felt like a huge privilege to have them on and to share. And I felt really honored that they trusted me um, and really trusted you guys as the listeners too, with um, such vulnerability and openness. Um, So it was just really special to be able to highlight these beautiful people who are just um, bravely fighting for joy. And each of their stories, like you said, were so different. Um, But the common theme of God carrying and sustaining them through their different hard circumstances was just super encouraging and yeah. just felt like a big honor to share. Yeah. There each each story was so different and I I'm not going to recap the whole entire season here. Um but I was home the day that Addie was interviewed by you mm-hmm. and she uh, came over and I I loved the way that she has done so much hard work of working through, you know, losing her arm as a young teenage girl. Um and of pressing forward and of not sugarcoating just this is great everything will be fine god is good um but really wrestling through with you know my life's going to be different now and i'm going to ask some hard questions of god and he's still going to be there for me and he's still good mm-hmm. it was it was it was really fun um to hear these stories come out and to and to see her and um as you know um, I would ride to work the next day listening to the interviews before they were you know, released. They were still in the uh, rough cut. And um, I would listen to part on the way in and part on the way out. And we would have some really, really rich mm-hmm. dialogue over dinner after the kids left the um, you know, table of just what I heard and the way that your guests connected with you and you helped them open up and tell their story. Yeah, yeah. No, I got some really good feedback on 
on Addie's episode for sure. I also got a lot of good uh, feedback from Laura Rui's episode. I think what resonated uh, with people in, in her story was just her realness and the vulnerability of being in the middle of her fight. Um, a number of times she was just brave enough and open enough to say, I don't know yet, or I'm not sure right, when right. I asked her various questions. And so I think people really appreciated that and learned from that. Um, you know, we did 11 episodes. Um, each of them were my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, know, obviously I can't even choose mine them. Too. They, I obviously chose these people to be on the first season for a reason. I mean, they are dear to me and their yeah, stories are powerful and they have beautifully fought for joy. So what a privilege to share them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we kind of wrap up our conversation here about season one, I'm wondering, um, was there anything that surprised you about the whole podcast process? Was there anything unexpected? Um, I, that one I already kind of hit um, with my answer about just your repeat, you know, listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What, uh, you know, surprised well, you? Well, I don't about think I should have been surprised, but really the whole process um, was super helpful to me in my own continued fight for joy. And in my own healing, um, there just seems to be an aspect of healing in sharing your story and in listening to other people share their stories. So I guess as I highlighted these stories and heard again and again about how God has carried each of these sweet friends through different hard circumstances, it's just been super encouraging to my own soul. Um, we've just gotten a bigger and a better view of God and his work in this broken world and, I don't know. I've just been reminded that our fight for joy is better fought when we see others battling and courageously yeah. sharing about it. And so, yeah, it's just, I guess for me, it's been an unexpected tool uh, in my own journey of healing and restored joy. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Well, let's transition into the second part of this uh, episode and talk about some of the questions that people submitted as we wrapped up season one. Um, the number one question that we got and that we continue to get on a regular basis is what should I say or do for someone after they have lost a loved one? Um, I would say I get this question almost weekly. In fact, this past week I had two friends reach out to me after learning about, um, an untimely death. Um, so people are wondering, what do I say? What do I do? Um, we've addressed this on and off um, in various episodes, but it's still a question that continues to be raised. And so um, let's just do a quick back and forth yeah, of great. a few top things that we think um, are worth mentioning. Um, what's your first one? Yeah, I think the first one is um, just say something along the lines of brokenness. Just say, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry, this is not the way it's supposed to be. It's it's okay to uh, say that. Mm-hmm. Don't put the pressure on yourself that you got to have a silver bullet that you think somehow might help them stop crying or might help fix it. Um, there There isn't one out there. <laughs> You're not going to be able to find that silver bullet. So just be present with them and just say, I'm sorry for your loss. Don't... Uh, Uh, you know, don't not talk to them. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't avoid them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important just to say something and acknowledge how broken it really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I would say too. Yeah. Um, Show up. If you're able to go, go. I mean, if they live nearby, go. Um, Don't stress, like you said, about what you're going to say or what you're going to do. Just be there. Hug them. Sit by them. Um, Attend the visitation and the funeral if you can. 
Um, if you can't, send texts, make calls, um, write a letter. Um, so just showing them that you're there with them, um, whether it's um, in in f- their physical presence or just in spirit. But um, but yeah. you're right; it takes courage. It's it so awkward, um, and you don't know what the state of things will be like when you get there. Uh, we had a number of people in and out of our house during those first few days and weeks after Jackson died, and I mean there were some really awkward things going on. Um, when people would come, um, a lot of tears, um, funeral planning, um, trying to console one of the kids. And so, yeah, you just never know what, what you're going to face when you get there, but showing up just, um, it means the world and they will remember. Um, and then if you think of something to do, I mean, just do it. Most of the times you don't even need to ask, you know, mow that lawn, clean that bathroom. That was my number two. (laughs) Um, yeah, make extra food. I mean, just do something. So, And yeah, like you said, I mean, as far as what to say, there is no silver bullet. So just simply saying, I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. I mean, that can be enough initially or just, I'm so sad with you. Um, I would say they're not going to remember the specific thing that you said, but they'll remember that you said something and that you acknowledge their pain. Yeah, I I would also add, you know, to that, that um, five minutes is a gold mine. Mm-hmm. Don't put pressure on yourself that I'm going to go over there and I'm going to get sucked into an hour of weeping. Uh, right. I mean, some of the best visits of people coming over literally lasted seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the people I work for at the bank, some of the bosses went out of their way either to call me, um, and just be on the phone with me for a minute or two, um, or just literally drive 40 miles to spend five minutes with us and give us a mm-hmm. hug and talk to us and tell us they're uh, with us. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, that meant a ton. Yeah. Yeah. And on the same lines as far as what to say, um, I know a lot of times if you're a Christian, if they're a Christian, it can be really, um, you want to share a Bible passage with them. And that's great. Um, I would just encourage you that verses centered more around lament, more around sorrow. Um, those just seem to be more comforting at the beginning of grief, uh, in the raw stages of grief than passages that are more centered around God's good plans in this. Um, and again, if they're a Christian, they already know this. (laughs) And so at this time, they probably just need more comfort and more reminders that their pain and sorrow is okay. It's addressed in the Bible. It's part of the normal Christian experience in this broken world. And then You know, lastly, on this point, um, as time passes, uh, it really continues to be the simple things that you can do and say, um, I have a number of friends who, you know, six years into our grief now, um, you know, I have one particular friend who sends me just a blue heart emoji. And for me, that that just means the world because I remember, I know that she remembers. I know that she's acknowledging my continued grief. Um, she's yeah. thinking about me. She's praying for us. Um, it's just such a tender little tiny act um, or even just a text that says, I remember or your grief is not forgotten. Um, really, it's just it's just the simple little acknowledgments um, even as time goes on. Yeah. So um, the uh, third one. So if the uh, first one is show up, say something. Uh, number two show up don't ask them if you can mow the lawn literally um just bring the lawnmower over and just if it needs mowing no one's gonna kick you out of the yard it just and 
we we had our next door neighbor not even come to the door afterwards just mow it and go back and we would just look out the window and cry they're doing it again and it was just um yeah so don't don't ask just do stuff like that um number three practically just um take a four by six card and put verses like you know jody said psalm 57 on there in the shadow of your wings i will take refuge until the storms of destruction pass by right i cry out to god most high to god who fulfills his purpose for me so the silver bullet and everything is um the steadiness and the rock of what god has put down in writing for us mm-hmm. and man people would show up with um we had one friend show up with a, a verse um, etched out in glass, right? Mm-hmm. And we had people just show up and handwrite four by six cards of verses. And we wrote some of those ourselves and had them all over the house. I know, you know, Jody's talked about that on episode one, but if you want to think of something really practical, that is so, so practical. Yeah, yeah. The next thing I would say is just set reminders on your phone oh, that, about yeah, things good. to come uh, in the next few months. Do this right away. Um, when you know and you hear about somebody dying, put that on your calendar right away so that you don't forget. Um, You might want to put a reminder on upcoming dates like Mother's Day or the birthday of the loved one who died or the one month mark of the death or the one year mark or the holidays. Just kind of purposefully choosing right away um, that you're in this for the long haul with them um, and just setting out to remember and not to forget to be one of the friends who will continue down the path of grief uh, when others have moved on or have um, not forgotten, but just um, are not as quite as involved or as present. Um, anything else? I have one more thing. If you no. Can. Okay. No, well, the good. last thing I'll just share is just um, kind of it has to do with some resources. A lot of times people will ask me, oh, yeah. is there anything I can send or is there anything I can buy for a grieving uh, person? And um you know, I would say that um, I usually recommend sending Nancy Guthrie's devotional, The One-Year Book of Hope. Um, it's That is a resource that um, is digestible in the early days of grief. Um, I think there's a lot of really good books on grief, um, on suffering, on lament. Um, but in those initial stages, it's kind of hard to process a lot. And so that's, that's when I usually recommend... Um, I also like her books, um, Hearing Jesus Speak Into Your Sorrow. Yeah, that was on my list. And When Your Family's Lost a Loved One. Um, I think those are books that just in the early days of grief, you can feel um, comfortable giving to somebody. Um, Lament for a Son is another book that was a favorite for me early on. Um, But it just depends on how traumatic the circumstances are. I mean, like I said, they just might not be able to read and digest much of anything. There's nothing wrong with giving them these things, though, um, because then they'll have them when they're ready. Um, I would say my podcast is is on the same uh, along the same lines, which is just I'm glad it's a resource now. But, um, you know, for people who are right in the middle of their heart, uh, it might be challenging to hear about other people fighting for joy yeah so um it's good to have these resources uh ready and available but i would say early on that nancy guthrie devotional is one of my favorites um and then you know lastly just um like eric said i mean think of something thoughtful to do that they will be able to keep like that 
verse that was yeah. um, sketched in glass like the note cards they can put around the house. We had a dear friend um, make a cross and put it at the cemetery. We had another friend mm. um, make a plaque that had Psalm 46 written out on it. And so it's good to do the practical things like mowing the lawn, cleaning the bathrooms, doing the grocery shopping. It's also special if you think of something creative to do that they can keep. Um, that's also super special. Um, and then, you know, if you are really, really wanting to be one of the main friends that are going to walk with somebody in grief, I would order Nancy Guthrie, <laughs> her again, um, her book, what grieving people wish you knew about what helps and what really hurts. Um, she asked for input from a number of us families who attended, um, her grief retreat, um, just for some practical examples and ways that people had really helped in the midst of the darker days of grief. And so that's just a good resource in general. I think I've mentioned it before, but just wanted to remind you that if you're wondering how to help someone, I mean, Nancy wrote that because she gets this question all the time too. And so if you are wondering how to help someone, how to walk with somebody in the midst of something really hard, this is an awesome book to order. Yeah, so um, I wrote down two, and you already hit hit the one. Uh, the first one for me was um, hearing Christ speak into your uh, sorrow. And when we got up Sunday morning at the grief retreat with Nancy and her husband, with the other couples that had, that had lost kids, um, she basically went went through that book in some passages where she used scripture to debunk some of the common lies that you're going to hear when somebody close to you dies. Um, you know, this happened because I deserved it. So what does scripture, how does scripture say, um, you know, this isn't punishment coming your way. Um, Christ took all the punishment on the cross and there's nothing else left to be punished for. Um, if he truly took it all. And so how do you put some of these things into a context? And I've, I've, man, I've gone to that. I've gone back to that book a number of mm -hmm. times mm -hmm. and that's been, that's been really helpful. And then the other one is Tim Keller's walking with God through suffering. Um, that one I've read multiple times now and taken notes on and taken Kindle highlights and created my own summary of it. Um, happy to uh, share that with anyone too, but um, that, that book was incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. The next question that we got was, how do you know if someone is stuck in their grief or how do I know if I'm stuck in my grief? How do you, uh, let's see, or if they are going through the grief process in a healthy way. So what are your thoughts on just kind of a normal timeline or, um, you know, being stuck in grief? Yeah, I would say, um, man, this was, this was probably my favorite question that we got last, last year. Um, and I like to think of it not in terms of getting stuck because it is going to take a long time and we're six years in and we still cry. It's about going backwards. And so you want to look in your friend's life and look for ways that they're starting to go backwards. If you see them um, turning bitterness or turning into bitter um, over things that have happened, um, then that's a tell, telltale sign that you're not making headway through the grief. You've actually laid down in the fire. Or, or if you've just given up and you just stop doing things all, to, all together and you're not taking the next step forward. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for guys to cry, especially in our uh, culture. Um, but tears are not the enemy. 
bitterness and despondency is. And so it is going to take a long time to get through grief. And there are days that I think I will grieve the rest of my life. And I think there's an element of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you see your friend or loved one um, tempted and stuck in bitterness uh, or despondent, that's where you need to kind of break in and you need to help them with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say that's one of the things we've learned as we have been on this grief journey is that um, there are things to fight and then there are things that are not to be fought. Um, and we've also learned that there really isn't a normal timeline. Yeah. There really isn't a, a process that's just... Um, kind of easy to watch unfold or easy to to walk through this is messy and different for each person um you know along with wondering if somebody is stuck in their grief I've also had some other grieving moms tell me that people have kind of come down on them for maybe not grieving well enough or feeling like you Hmm. shouldn't be ready to do this yet or have you really processed all of this or I haven't been seeing you cry or talk about your son enough. And so I would just encourage you um, that if you're seeing somebody go through um, the grieving process that um, just extend a lot of grace and know that each individual is going through um, this grief journey in their own way, on their own time frame. Um, I would also say that um, if you are the one that's wondering if you're stuck or if you're not progressing at Um, a good rate, um, that is where I would really recommend counseling because especially a counselor who is um, specialized in grief, um, they hear um, grieving people's stories day in and day out. And so they know what red flags to look for. They know what kind of progress to be looking for. And so if you are the one that's concerned and um, you aren't able to kind of nail down an answer, then I would say that, um, that counseling would be a good path. Yeah. Good. Um, the next one is why do dates matter for people who have lost someone? Should I continue Hmm. to acknowledge them? Yeah, I think dates are one of those tricky things that, um, kind of reminds us that the rest of the world moved on, right? There's, um, there's, uh, so much activity in our world and, people don't know that Jackson died, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And when those dates get flipped over, um, it's, it's hard to see that, um, uh, the, that, that date isn't held up as special because we think of it all year round. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's okay. We, it's good that the world goes on. It's good that people have other things, uh, you know, to do. Um, but it, it is such a blessing when um, those dates are going to be big on your mind. It's a blessing when people come alongside you yeah, and they remember those dates in just special ways. I'll get a one sentence text from one of my friends um, just saying, I remember today and I miss Jackson too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that just, that is, yeah. that is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my sister, uh, she died 46 years ago. And so, um, I texted my parents on the day that she died, um, which was last week and you know, it was still on their mind. That's what was on their heart and their mind that day, 46 years later. And so, um, yeah, like you said, I just don't know anybody who's really thankful that a tender date passed and nobody acknowledged it. Um, 
you know, and if you think about it, I mean, so much of our lives are centered around dates. I mean, even the Christian yeah. faith by marking Jesus's birthday on Christmas and his death day on Good Friday. I mean, we just run our lives with calendars and dates. And so I don't know, for me, it just kind of makes sense that we would also mark the dates of these hard things in our life and mark the passing of time, too. I mean, as yeah, we that's right. count up the years, we continue to count up the many ways that God has sustained and carried us. Um, yeah you know, the progress that we've been making, um, the closer we are to eternity. And so um, keeping track of the dates can be um, really actually a helpful and comforting thing for people who are in the midst of grief. Yeah, I think dates can be a way to to, uh, worship, right? That um, Satan doesn't get the last word here, Mm -hmm. that this is going to be not just given back, but fully restored and undone. Right. Mm -hmm. And the time is ticking to when that is getting closer. So when when Christ came, he certainly reconciled us to the father. Um, But that's he wasn't just interested in our souls. He's interested in putting all things right. Mm -hmm. And part of being putting, you know, part of putting all things right is that one day we will be restored in a physical new heaven and new earth. Mm-hmm. And Jackson will be there and we will be there as followers of Christ. And it's not just that we'll be on a cloud with harps, that this this will be undone. That what the first Adam failed to do to make the rest of the world like the Garden of Eden, Christ is doing through his kingdom and his conquering. And one day, the city of God, we will move from the garden to the city and things will be undone and in a material world that is not broken will will be ours Mm -hmm. yeah Um, another top question that I get often is well counseling has really worked for you so (laughs) give me her number and her name (laughs) I want to go see her or I need to give her number to my friend or she's swamped (laughs) (laughs) well and so you know I guess what what are your thoughts on counseling first of all Um, I think along with who is your counselor and can I go to her too The second question we get is, you know, how do you afford it? Counseling is seemingly so expensive. Um, And then another question I get along that lines too is just do, does it need to be a Christian counselor? Can it be a secular counselor? Um, Just questions along the lines of how to find somebody who can guide you through the counseling process. Yeah, I think kind of step one for me was um, I needed to admit that I needed counseling for me, oftentimes, if I'm honest, growing up, counseling was for people that were really broken. And um, I think what Jackson's death showed me was I was more broken than what I gave myself credit for. And that if um, God's word is about wisdom and doesn't black and white put down every single thing we need to do in life, but if all truth is God's truth, and if 90% of what's out there is in wisdom that God has put, um, then we, then I, I needed to humble myself and just say, if this is going to help Jody, it's going to help me more than I give credit to. Let's just go and forget what people think um, about broken people going because it's okay to admit now that, yeah, I'm, I'm more broken than what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're in the midst of... 
a difficult season or a great loss or some sort of trauma. I mean, it's, it is just extremely appropriate yeah. <laughs> to seek counseling. But I would also argue in the day-to-day fight for joy, if you Absolutely. are struggling and you're not able to fight, you know, that bitterness and that despondency, um, it's just a great tool. Um, as far as finding the right one, I mean, we didn't we didn't find our counselor right away and it was a little bit of a process and it takes time right. and it takes energy um first you have to do all of the research to try to find the available counselors you have to make sure that they have an opening and then you have to pour out your whole story and kind of hear how they follow up and if that connects with you or not and so we did um not go to the counselor that we're at now um that was not our first one and so it's a process and so if you're really wanting to um to find a good fit for you you've kind of got to gear up to tell your story multiple times and um the time and like i said definitely the energy it's exhausting those first few sessions um i also would encourage you to just think outside of the box um a traditional counselor in an office that you pay for um you know, that's kind of the typical scenario. But um, if you are plugged into a church, which I would highly encourage, um, there a lot of times are opportunities there to be counseled um, by um, the pastor, by an elder, even by an older uh, believer uh, in the church, um, finding a mentor type person, um, also making connections with other people who have walked through a scenario or a situation like you. Um, and they've learned and they've gained experience and they have counsel and advice um, to give. Um, that's good. And then also it takes some time to investigate the whole payment thing because, yes, some counselors are extremely expensive, but it doesn't have to be. Um, a lot of um, a lot of insurances will work with you. Um, a lot of um, employment employers will work with you. A lot of churches will provide the finances that are needed. And so it's just asking the questions um, or having somebody who can kind of be an advocate for you to ask the questions and to do some of that legwork if you are not able to do it. Um, let's see, the next one, this might be the last one we have for this episode, is um, what does your grief look like now? How would you compare the things that you are wrestling with and struggling with and finding um, restored joy with? How would you compare that now to where you were uh, six years, five years, four years ago, even. Um, do you have thoughts? Initially? Yeah. Why don't, why, don't, why don't you go first on that? Uh, well, one of the things that um, is new for us in grief six years in is the depths of grief that our kids are going through. Um, you know, I think that that uh, does not surprise me and I'm super thankful for it, but it's kind of added a new layer of grief within our home to have um, some of our kids wrestle with things that they uh, either didn't want to or didn't have the um, maturity level or the ability even to wrestle with uh, before. And so, um, although I feel like myself, I am getting stronger, I'm feeling um, tastes of healing and restored joy. Um, at any given moment, somebody else in the home could be really trying to tackle um, an aspect of grief for the first time. And so it's a reminder that it's it's a long, individualized process. Um, I think one of the other things that is different now is that we are... Um, we have more people in our life now that um, didn't know Jackson. Yeah. Um, you know, when this first happened, we live in a smaller community. 
Um, and I felt like everyone knew us and our story and our son. And um, I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of explaining to do or um, didn't have to share my story a whole lot. And as the years have gone on, um, we've made new friends. We've um, gotten involved in different things. Our family has grown. Um, my brother, you know, got married. Um, yeah, we just have new neighbors. We have people that we have um, started to live life with now who we have had introduced to Jackson. And that's been um, interesting, also special, um, but kind of trying to learn how to navigate telling our story um, in a different way as the years go on. Yeah, I think I think for me, the still my favorite question that a good friend will ask me over coffee or over the phone is not are you better or how are you today? Are you good? That's a binary yes or no question. Yes, I'm better. No, I'm not better. Um, my My favorite question still is, what does grief look like today for you? What does grief look like this month, six years in? Um, and, and so I think that's, I think that's been really, been really helpful. You know, for me, I had two things going. Um, number one is, um, when Jackson first died, it took such a toll on Jody and the kids that I certainly let myself cry. And I certainly let myself um, you know, and I, I got way past the whole point of people seeing me cry, right? I got mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. that. Um, but there was still a sense there where I had to um, kind of muscle through certain things just to get the family down the path the next step. And so for me, six years in, what grief looks like is now that I see my wife exhaling and my kids processing through the grief differently, um, I feel like I've been able to lean into it more and I've been able to, to let myself cry more. I've been able to um, just miss Jackson more. Um, the other thing I've got, you know, going for me and, and one of the things we'll talk about for next you know, season is um, I'm an Enneagram 7. So for those of you that don't know what that means, um, you'll find out in the next episode or two. Um, that means I love to laugh and I love to give other people the joy of laughter. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. it often can mean the flip side of the coin too, which is I'd rather laugh than go to a harder place. And so I think for me, six years into grief is that I've learned that it's okay to just exhale and go there when I'm sad. You know, one of the first counseling sessions we had was, you know what, grief is not linear, Eric. And it's going to be like you're on a roller coaster and it's going to be up and down and your eyes are going to be blindfolded the whole time. You're not going to know when the track's going to go left, right, up or down. And you just need to hold on. And I, and, I, and I think for me, the first number of years of grief is I believe that. And I was still holding on to the, to the bar of the you know, roller coaster, if you will. <laughs> I was still white knuckling that, that my family would get through, that we'd get through the next step, that we would get through, through, through the next thing. Mm-hmm. And for me now, I feel like I'm on the same roller coaster and I'm not, and I'm not holding on. Yeah, and yeah. when I feel like crying, and when I miss Jackson, um, I continue to go down that path. And the counselor was 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 right. Grief is ugly, and it's normal, and it's 
the bottom of your life is not going to fall out. God is going to be a suitable refuge for you. Just let go and see where this roller coaster goes. And um, so for Jackson's 22, his, when he would have been 22, I felt like on that day, I just needed to hear his voice. So I went through old video footage that we had and I just put together just, you know, two minutes worth of him and of just listening to his voice and didn't tell anybody I was doing it. And I just, I just wept, Mm -hmm. um, and have wept a number of times with that. And that's okay. Like I'm still here today. I still went to the bank the next day and, and laughed and had a great time. And, and that's to me what it looks like to lean into it more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think back to what you were saying about, um, your desire to incorporate laughter um, into our family um, through your Enneagram sevenness. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember, so I think another change is just I'm, I'm willing to return to that. I think yeah, initially um, in the early couple years of grief, um, I remember telling you to be quiet and to yeah. stop laughing and to um, not draw attention to ourselves when we were out at a restaurant or when you were making the kids, kids giggle or, um, something was funny and you guys would laugh. And I just thought we can't be laughing. We need to be grieving. And, um, and you know, it just, it almost felt like, I think sometimes, um, it can be tempting to kind of equate our sadness or our lack of happiness with our love, um, for the one who died. Um, but what has progressed in my heart over the last um, six years is just recognizing that it actually honors them by finding joy yeah. again and laughing again. Um, and even more so, I think it just it honors God because he is our healer. He's our restorer. Yeah. He's our helper, our physician, our comforter. And so, you know, we tell the watching world and we tell our own souls um, that he is trustworthy and he is keeping his promises and we are letting him do his uncomfortable work, uh, in our life. And so, um, you know, a while back, I don't know if it was maybe in the spring, I had put a post on Facebook about how our family is laughing more again. And shortly after that, I met for coffee with a friend who is in the midst of a storm. She is struggling in a number of aspects in her life. And through tears, uh, she said, Jody, I just saw your post on Facebook. And I can I believe you that that's true? Hmm, Were yeah. you being real when you said that? Is there really laughter and happiness and joy to be found in the midst of these hard things in life? And so... Um, that's a huge reason why we are doing this podcast is because we do want to give hope. Um, we do want to show people that, like you said, we will probably continue to have a level of grief for the rest of our life here on earth. And we will continue to be, have moments where we feel punched in the gut or where we, you know, take one step back and then two steps forward again. And we will have moments like you did on Jackson's 22nd birthday to just weep and weep. Um, and that's another both and, and we are progressing, we are healing. And so if you are in the midst of something really hard, what we are hoping to share is that as you just continue to do the next thing, continue to trust God for the manna that he's going to give you for each day and take one step at a time, you will find peace in the midst of 
this terrible storm that you are in and you will find hope in the midst of your grief and you will find comfort in the midst of chaos and peace and pain and all of those both ands that I kind of like to rattle through. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love the uh, both and, and I, and I love the way that you've, you've helped me think, think, uh, you know, through that as well. I think our culture likes to think, um, this chapter of my life of grieving is done and now I can laugh. And that's what, you know, linear looks like. I've done the hard work of grief, done. Now I'm in the laughter phase. And I think, and I think that's what I've learned about this roller coaster with your eyes closed on it. Like, yes, you will laugh and it very well may hit you in 17 hours from now <laughs> that you really, really do miss your son because you're not going to go to the college world you know, series again with him. Right. And that comes out of nowhere. And that is OK to weep and to lean into that and be like, you know what, Lord, hi, that is broken that needs to be undone someday. And because I know that you will make it undone, um, then when I can find something else funny, then funny <laughs> really can become an act of worship. Now, it funny is not an act of worship when you're running from processing the grief. Um, but if you've, if you've resolved that God is that powerful to make this as bad as this broken world is to make it undone, um, then laughter can be worship. Well, thank you guys for those questions. And um, we look forward to doing this again. I think it's helpful to kind of hear what kind of questions are on your heart and get a chance for us to share some of the things that we've learned through all of this as well. So, well, let's wrap things up. Um, I want to spend a few minutes introducing season two. Yes. Talk to us about season two. Uh, You've been doing a lot of thinking and praying through this. Yes. And we've had a lot of fun talking about it. I think you're heading down a great path. Tell them about season two. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with the theme of fighting for joy. Um, I'm just hoping to expand it a little bit. Um, so while season one was story-centered, um, and there will definitely be stories intertwined and shared in season two, um, my focus will be more on the how um, you fight for joy. So I want to talk to guests about the practical ways that they fight for joy. Um, you know, season one was centered around fighting for joy through um, loss or fighting for joy through yeah. disability. Um, season two, uh, my vision is more of fighting for joy with. So a couple of the topics that I um, have planned out are fighting for joy with friendship, fighting for joy with nutrition, fighting for joy with the Enneagram or counseling or exercise. And so I have a whole list of, of uh, ways that people can practically fight for joy um, instead of um, having it more be how they have fought for joy through a particular uh, circumstance in their story. So what I'm excited about is just the range of guests that this will allow me to have on. Um, as Eric and I have talked about so many times, grief is not the only thing right. um, that brings out a fight for joy. So my guests this season, um, you know, they'll just share the practical ways that they fight for joy through, for the most part, the normal ups and downs of life. I right. mean, this isn't really going to be necessarily always centered around some uh, extraordinarily different circumstance, uh, difficult circumstance. Um, 
that will still be included, but for the most part, it's just going to be friends of mine and people I know um, uh, who I have watched uh, fight for joy in a practical way. So I'm super excited about it. Um, We did 11 episodes in season one. I'm kind of aiming for around the same number in season two. Um, Looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that... um... I think that there are other ways the broken world gets at us, right? Um, just because you don't have someone you love close to you die, um, that will that will happen, and that will happen to each of us, and that will be us one day. Um, but um, there's other ways in our daily lives with our work and with our kids and with our lives. Um, singleness, brokenness, um, there's all sorts of ways in which no matter what place in life you're in, you're going to feel some of the brokenness of the world. So the fight for joy is real. And what are some real practical how questions to be answered? How does this help me fight fight uh, for joy? So one of the questions I like to ask at the bank is kind of the why question. And then the how, uh, you know, question. So um, as Jody kind of ripped through some of the topics she's uh, thinking through, why, you know, why is it? What are the top two or three reasons why exercise has been helpful for me to fight the fight of faith, right? To to fight and to go after joy, and exercise certainly helps. And so the the guests that she will have on will kind of give you a couple why answers. And then leave you with four, five, six, how things, how, how do they practically approach exercise to where it's, you know, it's, it's something that they look forward to and do. Um, and so I'm super excited for you guys to hear what Jody's working on. And I'm excited for my drives to work when I get to hear the podcast uh, before anyone else does um, and get to hear some of the guests that she has on kind of wrestle through these things, how they've been inspired in God's world here to continue this fight, fight for joy. Yeah. So we're excited. Um, Stay tuned. Um, Thanks for listening today. And um, we'll be back with more episodes soon. Proud of you, Joe. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.